just give him a little bit more thanks for that today? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated. I want you, if you would, to just use your imagination for a moment. I know this is the adults and the young people and the kids are downstairs, but we all still have one. Should imagine that you are sitting in a courtroom as the defendant. The prosecution and the defense have both now rest. They've presented their cases. The only thing that is left is to hear the judge announce the verdict. However, there's really not much anticipation over what the verdict is going to be because it's been basically an open-shut case. There's more than enough evidence to convict you of what you have been accused of. The trial really has been nothing more than a formality that must be done, but the outcome is set. Now, Something that is much more greater than that, imagine with me, you are now standing on the day of judgment before the great white throne. You will be judged one day, you know that, right? And you stand there and it could be that this is nothing more than a formality, because there is plenty of evidence to be stacked against you that says what the outcome is supposed to be. It doesn't matter how good of a person you or I may be considered today from society's standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, we are all sinners, I don't care how good of a person you or I may be viewed as by our peers, by those that know us, by family, co-workers, whatever. It really doesn't matter how good of a person from a natural standpoint you and I may be viewed as. We are all sinners. In fact, Jesus tells us there's not any good except one. So all of us have a need of a Savior. And so you stand there waiting for the verdict to come down, knowing what you deserve, knowing what should be your punishment. I don't intend to purposely offend anybody here today, but I read a couple of days ago an article that Pope Francis has now declared That there is no hell. And that if you essentially die lost, you just disappear. 
But there is no eternal punishment. I mean no disrespect to Pope Francis, but there is no individual that has ever lived that has a right to edit this book. I gotta be honest with you, and I know I'm, 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 if you're a guest today, my name's David Wright, and I'm the, I'm the pastor, and, and, uh, so I know this is kind of a, uh, not the best statement to be making as the pastor, but if that really is the case, I have no idea why we are wasting all of this time and money to do what we do. <laughs> What's the point? If all that happens when this is done is if you weren't saved, you just disappear, why waste our time here today? Some of you have worked all week, been up early every day. If nothing else, you could have slept in a little bit and enjoyed your coffee a little longer. And What's the point? What's the point of the church if at the end of life you just disappear? We could all be doing something different today. But according to the eternal word of God, there is a heaven. And there is also a hell. And you will spend eternity somewhere. And so again... Based on the evidence, you and I today are easily found guilty. But let's read what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 and starting with verse, oh, let's start with verse number 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins... That means if you and I have not experienced what Paul is talking about, we're, we haven't even started living yet. You're not even alive yet. He says, you who are dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your faith, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you. Anybody see that next word? Having forgiven you. All trespasses, all trespasses, and then here it is, blotting out, blotting out. That word blotting out in the Greek, the Greek word there for blotting out means to obliterate, 
to smear out. It, it's not just to, you know, do away with. It is to completely annihilate. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took out of the way, nailing it to his cross. The Amplified Bible says that verse, says verse 14 this way, having canceled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the note or the bond with its legal decrees and demands which was in force and stood against us, hostile to us. This note, with its regulations, decrees, and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of our way by nailing it to his cross. And then the Living Bible says it this way, and I love the way it says it, because it puts it just in some good old plain 2018 terminology. And blotted out the charges proved against you. It's one thing when you go to court and they're trying to prove that you committed a crime and then the judge says, you know what, there's just not enough evidence to convict. <laughs> that there's not enough evidence here to convict. That, that's one thing. But when the judge has all the evidence that's needed, but then he takes the charges that have been proven against you, the list of his commandments which you had not obeyed, there's a list of all the things you've done wrong. There is a list of all of your failures, all of the sins that you have committed. But he takes that list and he took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Because the cross. The cross has... The final word. Any anybody here today that I, I don't get I don't think I've gotten this lucky. But anybody here today that's ever gone to court for a traffic violation, speeding ticket, and the judge offered you PBJ. Not peanut butter and jelly for lunch. The judge offered you probation before judgment. What that means is you are, you acknowledge I'm guilty. Oh, hallelujah. You acknowledge that you've done, you acknowledge that you committed the crime. But the judge says, I will delay punishment. I won't put the points on your record. I'll even reduce the fine you have to pay. But if in the next two years, you get another ticket, not only do you have to pay for that ticket, but this ticket here that I've given you some mercy for, you now are going to owe for that as well. 
I am so glad that I can tell you today, the judge doesn't just offer you PBJ. I'm going to delay your penalty, but just know that if you mess up in the future, I'm not only going to expect you to pay for that, I'm also going to expect you to pay for this. But when the cross steps in and the cross has the final word, what you did, it's as if you never did it. It's as if you never did it. (laughs) It's not that you're just given a pass for what you did. It's not that you're just given, you know, I'm going to let you slide this time. But actually he's saying, I'm going to view it as if it never even happened. You see, God offers this thing called justification. Kind of this fancy religious word, right? Justification. Let me give you the Sunday school just definition. Let's just break it all the way down. Let me give you the Sunday school definition of justification. This isn't some deep theological definition. This is just as, this is as simple as you can get. Justification is just as if You never did it. You see, when he forgives, he's not just saying, I'm pardoning you for what you did. He's saying, not only am I pardoning you for what you did, but I am completely wiping away every bit of evidence that you ever did it. If you want to know why some of us were acting the way we acted today, if you want to know why some of us were excited the way we were today, is because at some point in our lives, the cross stepped in and had the final word. There's a story in John chapter 8. There's a lot of, maybe, maybe after a couple of thousand years in eternity, maybe, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe in, you know, after when we get to heaven and we've had time to celebrate and worship and all that, maybe at some point we'll, we'll get to ask some questions about things we wondered about. Of course, we may get there, and when we get there, we're probably going to end up caring less about all the things we wondered about here. Oh, well, who cares? But maybe, maybe there's a few things we could get a little more information about. In the One of those things is the story in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, the Bible tells the story of this woman that was caught in adultery. And they... They bring her to Jesus because according to the law, she was to be stoned. One of the things I want to know is where was the man? Ah, Sister Perry, I love you. Y'all ought to see Sister Perry. 
when she comes into church on Sunday mornings especially. Some of y'all, it takes you a while to get warmed up. She walks through the door warmed up. And, and then, I don't think, I, did, we don't know this. This is what I want to know. I don't think it was a coincidence. I don't have Bible for this, so please note, I'm, I'm not telling you what the Bible says. This is part of what I wonder. I'm wondering if the guy that was involved was with, in, was in cahoots with the guy, with the people that caught him. Cause I mean, most people committing adultery do it pretty secretively. And they bring her to Jesus and the law, the law, not natural law. Oh, hallelujah. You see, there is a law that surpasses natural law. I don't care what the U.S. Congress says is law. What I mean, I don't mean that I don't care about the laws. What I mean is they can't rewrite moral laws. They can't rewrite God's laws. Pass whatever legislation you want to pass. You can't change the word of God. They weren't talking about the natural law. They were talking about the law that the one they were talking to was the one robed in flesh who had given the law. And they said the law says she is to be stoned. And they they say to him, what are you going to do? What do you say? cross hadn't happened yet, but what he decided to do was give them a little glimpse of what the cross would do. (laughs) Because rather than the law having the final word, mercy was going to have the final word. You see, it's up to you and I to decide what has the final word. If I don't make the right choice, the law of God will have the final word. But if I can make the right choice, then God's mercy is going to have the final word in my life. And so he says to them, anybody here today without sin, let him cast the stone first. I I I I like to... I don't think some of you probably do it as well, but I like to sort of, when I read stories like that in the Bible, I like to imagine being there. And I kind of imagine those guys were standing there when they brought that woman, and they had their rocks all ready to go. And they, Because they knew what the law said. And they knew who he was, or sort of. And then he says, he says, well... If there's any of you here that don't have sin, go ahead and, and cast. And I can see some of them going. Let me tell you something. Do you guess today? Don't look around and misjudge us because our nice Easter outfits. Don't misjudge us because the pretty new dresses and the nice new suits today. Excuse the grammar. I know it's not proper, but pardon me. We ain't here today sinless. 
<laughs> we, we're only here today because at some point, mercy and grace says, I know what the law says. But I've got another option to offer you today. And so instead of the law having the final word, the cross has had the final word. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, my, my. I, I, I I don't know if there's another story that sort of better portrays this <laughs> probably is but this has got to be at the top not only is it demonstrate what i'm preaching to you today but <laughs> you you anybody ever had you know something that happened right at the deadline i mean i, I don't some of you got a you got your college paper submitted it was due at midnight and you got it in at 11:59 or some of you had a bill and you just didn't know how it was going to pay it and somehow the finances got there just in time. You want to talk about just in time. Jesus is hanging there on that cross. And beside him, on each side, is a thief. A convicted criminal. They are in the process of dying for what they have done. And one of them starts, you know what? I understand sometimes mouthing off. But there's other times it's like, you know what? You, you, you definitely think if at any other time to keep your mouth shut, now is the time. But one of them hanging there starts mouthing off to Jesus. But then the other one responds a little bit different. And, and get this, here is this guy hanging on the cross because judgment had been passed, sentence had been given, he was dying for his crime. But just before it was too late, The cross. The cross said, I know what the judge said, but there's one more word to supersede what the judge said. And Jesus said unto him, Luke 23 and 43, Verily I say unto thee, unto thee, today, 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 you're going to be with me in paradise. You are in the midst of dying for your sin. But at the very last moment, the cross steps in and says, I've got one more word that supersedes that word. And that word is mercy and grace. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's probably some folks sitting here today that the word that's been pronounced over your life is failure and 
you're a, you're a mistake. I just heard, I've, I'm not sure if I've ever, I, I, I've heard about sort of secondhand, I've heard people who have said that their parents told them they were a mistake. I, I, I've heard, and there's a chance in a crowd this size, there's somebody here today that that's what you were told. You were a mistake. I just sat at the table the other day and heard somebody tell it firsthand that their mother told them, you were a mistake. Some of you here today have lived your life with the word of your life being, you're a mistake. You're a failure. You're a disappointment. You're not going to amount to anything. You're never going to accomplish anything. Your life is never going to be anything of value. But I've come to tell you today, that is not the final word. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you are in your 80s. I don't care if you're in your 90s today and you've lived your whole life that you were a mistake. There is a final word that can be had. And the final word is not that. The final word is you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That while as human beings, you may have been a mistake from a human perspective, the one that is the creator of life, the one who is the giver of life, never makes a mistake. Oh, hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 6. Verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. And now Paul gives us a list, some specifics of who would not inherit the kingdom of God. Fornicators, idolaters, Adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers. That's kind of like brawlers, people that like to fight. Extortioners, none of these, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's bad news right there. Because chances are, every person in this place, something, something on that list, something on that list you're guilty of. Something. There may be a bunch of it you can check off, but I guarantee you there's something on there. And for those of you that may want to sit and argue with me in your head, I'll just go ahead and tell you which one you are on that list. (laughs) Go back a verse, please, to verse 9. 
you are, uh, well, you're the first one, <laughs> number one, but you're also the third one. You're an idolater making yourself to be God. <laughs> and if you're God, we're all in big trouble. So every one of us is guilty somewhere on that list. Uh, what's amazing is you gotta, you gotta, you, you can't stop in the middle of what the Bible's saying. Sometimes people stop in the middle of it because because they they like this part and they don't like the next part. But then sometimes you stop because you get overwhelmed. But if you always keep reading, you'll find out there's more to the story. Because in verse number 11, he says, And such... Oh, I don't know about you, but I love that third word. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are, there's that word, a little bit different way, but there's that word, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How is it that such were some of you. The reason such were some of you is because the cross, the cross had the final word. <laughs> the cross had the final word. To our guests today, there's a great group of gentlemen up here, isn't it? Great looking group of gentlemen up here. I should have heard at least a few hearty amens from at least some spouses. I don't know. I mean, all dressed up, looking nice today, looking sharp. This this guy, actually, I. Brother Ben there and Gray, this guy here and myself, if I'm not mistaken. We're the only three up here that were born into this. Grew up in this. I I have never, I've never, never done illegal drugs. I've had a few prescriptions, but <laughs> I've I've never I've literally never one time in forty six years of life tasted alcohol, drank alcohol. I've never smoked a cigarette. Never have. I think these guys probably say the same thing, these two guys. But the rest of these fellas we ain't go we're not gonna start talking about them. You see, you, you you see, 
Brother Ben, Brother Isaac, and myself, you could see us today, and this would be sort of expected. If you're a guest today, I I hesitate to to, to tell you this because I don't want you to judge me and write me off and 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 there's there's way more to the story than this but my my parent my parents started this church my mother and my fa- my father not just my dad but my mother is an ordained minister i have one of four grandparents still living i'm very thankful that the one that's still living is here today All, all four, all four, all four. (laughs) Not just two, not just even one. All four of my grandparents were preachers. My grandmother that's here today has preached all over the South, preaching revivals for years. God using her greatly. and All four. And then I've even got a great-grandfather. That was a preacher. So I, I'm not here today because of that. I got a lot of other options. But I could, I could see you coming to the conclusion, well, that's what's expected of you because, let me tell you, there's a lot of people in a very similar situation as mine that are a long ways from a pulpit today. But you know what? The three of us, you could sort of, but these other fellows, 20, 30 years ago, if you'd have saw where they were then, you would not expected, you would not have expected them to be where they are now. But the cross. The cross had the final word. He said, he said, I'm I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'll do this to give some of you hope. He, he said, can you, can you put that Colossians 2.14 back up there, please? Says he. He blotting out, blotting out, blotting out, blotting out the handwriting. That's the record that was being kept of your mistakes and failures. He took that record that was against you, the evidence. He took that, that which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go back up there. You can, would you grab it, Brother Isaac? Bring it back up here. Bring it up here so it'll be a little more easy to see. He took that and nailed it. To the nailed it to the cross. It is said that during those times in which that was written, 
if there was a bond against someone, it was actually a custom as a way of releasing someone from it to put a nail through it. And when you put that nail through it, it freed you from it. <laughs> but here's, here's what's amazing. He didn't just take the he didn't just take the handwriting and nail it to the cross as is. But he blotted out, he obliterated, he smeared out the ability to even see. Any of you fellas up here okay at hammer and nail? I was, I was. There we go. that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody here today and you got a you got a problem with alcohol. Alcohol is not the final word. The cross. Go ahead, Brother Johnson. The cross. The cross. Some of you have been through in your own marriage and some of you have grown up with the effects of divorce. You were raised in a broken home. Statistics say you will end in a broken home. But I've come to tell you today, statistics, statistics don't have the final word. There's some of you here today that you have suffered great abuse, physical abuse. Some of you have suffered sexual abuse. Some of you has been verbal abuse. And your life has been controlled up till now by that abuse. But I've come to tell you today, abuse is not what has the final word. Maybe, you probably don't want anybody to know it, but there's probably somebody in this crowd today of this size that you're battling with drug addiction. You just can't seem to get free from it. And life says, statistics say, that's going to be the rest of your life. But I've come to tell you today that statistics and drugs do not have the final word in your life. But the cross has the final word. Some of you sit here today with sickness in your body. It's not just the flu, not just the cold, but some of you sit here this morning and you've got disease and sickness in your body, perhaps cancer or diabetes or some other disease. <laughs> but I can tell you today that disease and sickness does not have the final word but the cross the cross the cross has the final word I've only given you just a couple of examples 
There's probably some of you I haven't hit on yet. There's probably something somebody here today is dealing with that I didn't name in the last few moments. So whatever it is for you to put in the blanks on your paper, whatever it is for you, I've come to tell you there is nothing that is greater and there is nothing that has the final word over the cross. Whatever it is, whatever sin it may be, I'm telling you today that the cross has the final word. I purposefully, I know most of you realize it, but in case somebody didn't, I, I purposefully put them up because that's the, that's about the best way I can get at blotting out. See, when you look at that ordinance that he nailed to the cross, <laughs> there was evidence that something was nailed to the cross. There's evidence that you had something you nailed to the cross. But because he blotted it out, whatever it was, he didn't just say, I'm going to put it up there so you can see what it is I've forgiven you of and be a constant reminder. He said, I want you to forget all about it. Because the final word is none of what you've done. But the final word is what took place on the cross. And what the blood of Jesus Christ accomplished. Would you stand please? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I know some of you, some of you, I understand you're sitting there, standing there. And I can understand you standing there saying, Preacher, you just don't know me. You just don't know my life. You just don't know what I've been through. and You just don't know what I've, what's happened to me. And some of you can say, you just don't know what I've done. I didn't, I didn't say what I said a few moments ago to make me look like something special. The fact I've never done any of those things. I, I usually make the rest of that point. I got distracted because the rest of that point is, which I've actually already said, all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So while I may not have done some of those things I mentioned, I got my own stuff. In fact, people like me have a little more challenge than some of you. Because some of you got stuff to nail to the cross. You know what it is. The problem with some of us, the biggest thing we often have to nail to the cross is our self-righteousness. Because we aren't any better than anybody else. We've all sinned. So no matter what it is, Paul said it this way, where sin 
abounds. Man, there's stuff going on in our world today that is unimaginable. There's things that happen in our world today that you just can't. I, I, you would have never thought human beings could do that to another human being. Sin is abounding in 2018. But a couple of thousand years ago, by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, the Apostle Paul says, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And I can tell you this morning without hesitation, whatever the issue is in our world today, whatever the issue is in your life, the cross always has the final word if if you will allow it to do what it has the power to do. I, I know some of you may have come today because it's Easter and and it's even if you don't attend church faithfully it's kind of a normal thing to go to church on Easter. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's the only reason you really came. Maybe a family member, a friend invited you today and, and out of kindness and respect, you came. You, you may not agree with my next statement, but I believe it absolutely with all of my heart. I don't care why you came, why you th- let me, let me put it this way. Let me say it this way. I don't care why you think you came. I don't care what you think the reason was. Before, before you were ever born, God orchestrated this day in your life. Because again, maybe it's not something I've mentioned and maybe it's not as bad as something I've mentioned, but every single one of us today has something, at least one thing in our life that we need the cross to have the final word. So would you do this if you're a guest? I'm asking this first and foremost, if nothing else, just kind of out of respect for those around you. But if you would, just where you're standing right now, would you just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? I, I believe with all of my heart today, there are some people in this place that there are some ordinances, there are some charges that have been written against you that are valid charges and there are, there is more than enough evidence for you to be convicted. But God wants to take whatever that is and blot it out and nail it to the cross. There's another verse. I can't remember what leads up to it. Somebody can help me out real quick. But, but in that verse it says it this way. But God, who is rich in mercy. All of these things are against you, but God. I'm gonna, I wanna tell somebody this today. Some of you, there's some, I believe there's somebody here today that disease, sickness in your body.
is the thing that the cross wants to have the final word over in your life. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I I want you, especially if you're a guest, I want you to please listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Because if you're a guest, obviously we would love for you to come back. We would love for you to be a part of us. That, That goes without saying. But I want you to understand what I'm about to say is not intended to be an invitation to ask you to join this church. Because whether you join this church or not, I still want you to experience what it means for the cross to have the final word in your life. So if you are in this place today, and maybe it's something I just happen to have on one of these pieces of paper, or maybe for you it's the one with the question mark, but you acknowledge today there's some stuff in your life that you don't want that to have the final word in your life, I am inviting you today to hand the evidence over to the judge Because what the judge wants to do is to blot out the evidence and then nail that to the cross. And that be the final word. If that's you today, I want to invite you, if you would, to step out of your seat and come down to the front here. What we call the altar area. Again, not as an invitation to join this church but as an invitation to bring whatever it is in your life today that is trying to have the final word and to present it to Him to take that and nail it to the cross and let the cross be what has the final word. As they begin to sing, would you just, again, if you would, if nothing else, just keep your eyes closed for a few more moments to perhaps help somebody be a little more comfortable to make a step this morning and allow the Lord to do this for them. Church, I need your help quickly, please. In the name of Jesus, God, I believe you today that it's your cross that is what is intended to have the final word in our lives. It's not sin. It's not our mistakes. It's not our failures. It's it's not our past. It's definitely not our past that is supposed to have the final word in our lives. But your cross is what has the final word. Oh, there's mercy and grace in this place today. I don't know what you've done and it really doesn't matter because there's mercy and grace here today that is far greater than what you've ever done. Whatever the sickness is in your body today, the cross has the power to heal you of your sickness. Oh, hallelujah. Cross, the cross. Your past does not have the final word. Your mistakes don't have the final word. Your failures don't have the final word. The cross, the cross, the cross. 
the cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Addiction doesn't have the final word in your life. Addiction doesn't have the final word. The cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. (laughs) Oh, the cross, the resurrection that we celebrate today has the final word in your life today. has the final word whatever the ordinances are whatever the charges are against you he can blot them out whatever the charges are that you are guilty of 